Well, that's what it all boils down to. Are we pleasing Him or uh, seeking to please ourselves? We please Him, everything else is all right. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. I said last week that there are actually several other messages that I could bring in conjunction with these pertaining to the armor of God. There is just so much more that could be said regarding spiritual warfare that leads us up to this point. And, and I decided I'm not going to try to, uh, to go back over all of that. I'll save that for another time and other messages. Uh, but I know in the past there was a series I taught eight or ten years ago, I guess, something like that, that uh, had to do with the conflict down through the ages. We, we talked about the crime in heaven, and that, that's where you've got to go back to. If you're going to really understand what's going on on earth today, you've got to think about the crime committed in heaven Recorded in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, when Lucifer rebelled against God himself and took away a great host of the, of the angels. Well, after the crime in heaven comes the corruption on earth. And we read about that, of course, in Genesis chapter number 3, where Satan tempted Eve, and well, you know the story, how that, uh, Adam caved into the temptation. He sinned. Death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, you have the crime in heaven, you have the corruption on earth, and then you have the curse from God. We wonder sometimes why there is venom in the viper and why there are thorns on the roses. And we wonder why things are like they are in this world today? Well, it's because we live in a cursed place. The earth is cursed. And one day God's going to remove it. But until He removes it, uh, well, we'll have to earn our bread by the sweat of our brow. And things are not going to go right. Listen, we need to know this because we need to expect this. This is just what's going to happen. There are going to be wars, there are going to be earthquakes and all kinds of storms and everything else because we live in a cursed place. But after the curse, then comes the conflict here upon this earth. And, and I mean from the very get-go, we see evidences of this conflict. We see it, you know, with Cain and Abel. I mean, right off of the bat. Uh, you, you've got a murder taking place. They're fighting about religion. And uh, so, you've got one conflict after another. And that word conflict just characterizes the ages of history right down to this very present moment. That's the way it is. And we might as well expect that. And, uh, you know, I'd like to talk considerably about in light of all of that, the confusion in the churches, I, I don't have time to do that, but listen, that's a big part of the problem that we've got today is the confusion in the so-called churches around the world. 
you know, people that go looking for answers, and instead of finding answers, they're misled, they're deceived, sometimes intentionally, just to win people over to... Uh, to their particular denomination, and we ought to be more interested in what the Bible teaches than trying to get people, you know, in our denomination. Well, here in Ephesians chapter number 6, verse 11, this is the only verse we're really going to spend any time with tonight, because it introduces uh, the other things that we'll be talking about. And we've already considered verse 10 back Earlier, when we were in uh, chapter number 3 in a verse there, we tied these together about being strong in the Lord and the power of His might. But then he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Well, whether we realize it or not, as I've been saying, we're involved in a spiritual warfare. That's an inescapable fact. It's not a it's not a matter of when and where, it's a matter of here and now. And the only question is this will we be victorious or will we be defeated? And that's determined by whether or not we appropriate what God has provided. And here we see in these verses that follow our text tonight, he speaks about the armor of God. And we're going to look at all of those various pieces of the armor of God, but before we deal with the specific pieces of it, Paul gives this general exhortation in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Now, remember, Paul is imprisoned at Rome. Paul has had many occasions to view the Roman soldiers. He has watched them as they arrange their armor. And no doubt the Holy Spirit is using this to illustrate the needs of God's people. You know, I just picture in my mind Paul sitting there and he's observing these soldiers and these guards and it's as though as Paul is writing this, the Holy Spirit is bringing to his remembrance each piece of that armor and uh, with the purpose, with the intent of showing how that applies to our our Christian life and the struggle that we face. And so... The Spirit of God's using this in order to illustrate the needs of God's people. So tonight, we're going to talk about the armor of God. And I want you to think about four things related to the armor of God. First of all, the provision of the armor. Notice there's two important things about this part of it. That is, number one, it is from God. Notice it's the armor of God. It's from God because man has absolutely nothing to offer that will protect us against the devil. I mean, help from man amounts to absolutely nothing more than the blind leading the blind. And I think maybe the best example that I can think of of this is what is known as the psychotherapy movement. Multitudes of people have turned to so-called self-help gurus and psychotherapy and, and, and all of these other things, unsafe psychiatrists and psychologists, looking to them for advice on how we cope with the problems in our life. And let me tell you, they don't have the answers. And for one thing, it's an absolute shame for those of us that are Christians to get our counsel 
from unsaved psychiatrists and psychologists. The Bible talks about, you know, not receiving the counsel of the ungodly. And whenever a person rejects the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, they reject the Word of God as being the absolute truth. What in the world do they have to offer you whenever they tell you the Bible's not the absolute truth? And, and the fact of the matter is, and you, you might not know this, but it's true, in most instances, in dealing with those kind of people, one of the first things they want you to do is forget about all of this religious stuff. You get out of church. You've been brainwashed. You need to get away from that. Don't you read the Bible. Don't you go to church. Don't you listen to the preacher. I'm telling you, that is some of the advice that they give to people. And, and people are paying them for that kind of advice. Nonsense. Now, if you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember this tonight, and I want you to jot it down maybe in the margin of your Bible here or somewhere where you can go back to it later. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Because this is one of the most important verses as a Christian that you'll ever read. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, According as His divine power hath given unto us, that is, unto us Christians, Unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Now, do you believe that? Well, you should. I mean, that's just as true as John 3.16. How can you believe one and not the other? Somebody says, well, sure, I believe John 3.16. God loves the whole world. Everybody believes that. But we come to this verse, and why do we stumble over this when it says that God has given us how much? Everything, right? He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So, folks, listen, we are not lacking for anything. God provides everything we need to equip us for the battle and to make sure that we don't suffer defeat. So this armor, then, is from God. Secondly, it's not only from God, it is for Christians. Remember, Paul is writing to believers. He's writing to the church, to the saints there at Ephesus. And it's absolutely futile for you to tell unsaved people that they need to put on the armor of God. Uh, they can't put on the armor of God till they've received Christ as their Savior, you see. So these provisions have to do with people that are believers. Until a person is saved, no amount of argument, no amount of human reasoning, common sense, or humanistic psychology is going to help people like that. Their greatest need is for a Savior, not for advice. You can't give a person, listen carefully, you can't give a person spiritual help until the Spirit of God's dwelling in them. And the Bible says, if any man hath not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. We've got to have the Spirit of Christ. And that, the only way we can receive the Spirit of God is by receiving the Son of God as our Lord and Savior. Do you, do you ever wonder why people do the crazy things they do? Uh, we think about it, you know, in the political arena. And, and, and you've heard me say, 
that you could take a problem or a situation and, and, and try to find an answer and go out here on the street and find the average citizen and sit them down at the table and explain what the problem is and, you know, maybe give them three or four options and most of them could figure it out. Okay, you're, 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 you're in debt and the income is just not sufficient to meet the outgo and so what do you do? What do you do? I mean, common sense tells us what to do. But that's not what our politicians go by. I, I mean, it, it just, it's just mind-boggling to see some of the decisions that, that they make. And you wonder, how in the world can they do something that is so unreasonable, something that is so foolish? Now, listen, there's a reason for this, folks. And the reason is because they have been blinded by the God of this world. And as the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse number 14, it says, The natural man receiveth not the things of God, for they are foolishness unto him, and neither can he understand them. And that's why you can sit down with your unsaved neighbor, and here they are with all of their problems, whatever the nature of the problem might be, and here you are, you're trying to help them. You're giving them all of this sound advice, all of these scriptural principles, and, you, and, you know, and you're entering into a debate with them about what they ought to do, and in some way they just don't get it. Listen, folks, that's exactly what you can expect from unsaved people. Uh, the armor of God here is for believers. There's no way in the world that, that, that the unsaved person is going to profit from a study like this until, first of all, they know Christ is their Savior. Now, a lot of people make the mistake of not associating their problem with spiritual needs. And, you know, they just assume, well, my problem's not spiritual, it's emotional, or it's social, or it's financial, or whatever. But uh, when in reality, it, it, it is a spiritual problem. And, and I say that because man can never function as God intended as long as his spiritual needs go unmet. It's impossible. You see, God designed us so that we would never be satisfied unless we're living in fellowship with Him. And that's what the great search was all about in the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon, you know, goes out here on this search. In fact, he conducted an experiment. And he said, look, I tried everything. Seeking to find satisfaction. And when it was all over, when it was all said and done... He said, it's all vanity. It's a soap bubble. It's nothing. And, and uh, that's the conclusion that you come to when you leave God out of the equation. And so, notice, he speaks about the provision of the armor. It's provided by God and for believers. Secondly, notice the purpose of the armor. Paul goes on to say, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, everybody needs protection, regardless of how long we've been saved, regardless of how knowledgeable we are of the Word of God. None of us are exempt from failing. You, you see, a Christian can commit any sin that anybody else can commit. They can and they do. 
They just don't live habitually under the power of sin because they've been delivered from that. They've been made a new creature in Christ Jesus, but never get the idea that just because you are a Christian and you've been saved for a number of years and you're very knowledgeable of the Bible and you pray every day and you read your Bible every day, I'm telling you, you're not exempt from falling just like anybody else. Satan is strong and Satan is stubborn. I mean, he doesn't give up. And that's why we've got to be alert, on guard, protected by the armor of God. Notice here that we may be able to stand. What are we standing against? The wiles of the devil. That word wiles means craft or the deceit. Satan is depraved, he's determined, he is deceptive, and he is destructive. You see, that's the manner in which he operates. He deceives people. You think about the crazy things that people do and wonder, why would you do something like that? Well, it's because they're deceived. You know, a lot of times we just label somebody as, uh, as being crazy. We use that word a lot, maybe. Uh, the politicians or the leader of some country, you know, uh, people go out, for example, and blow themselves up. You got a suicide bomber. Why in the world would somebody just strap on a bomb, go into a bus terminal or an airport or something like that and, and blow themselves up? Why, they must be crazy. No, they, listen, they're not crazy. They're not crazy at all. They've been deceived. That's what it's all about. They're believing a lie and thinking they're doing what is right and best in their eyes, they go to those extreme measures. Well, what Paul says here ought to encourage us because he's telling us, based on this, that with the armor of God that we can stand against the wiles of the devil, then he is in essence saying that our failure is not final and that victory is possible. In other words, We don't have to live a defeated life. And if you've been knocked down in a battle, if you've been momentarily defeated, hey, listen, you can still get back up and you can still keep going because your failure is not final. With the armor of God, we're able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's the purpose of it. Thirdly, I want you to think about the position of the armor. Naturally, we don't have time to talk about Uh, each piece individually. But notice what he says. He says, the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. Not just certain pieces of the armor of God. And And he's telling us that every piece of God's armor is absolutely essential. That if we ignore any part... Uh, what happens is we leave an opening for Satan. So every part serves a vital purpose. For example, the loins are strengthened by the girdle. The vital organs are protected by the breastplate. Our feet are shod, which gives us a firm footing. The shield wards off the arrows of destruction. The helmet protects our head, and the sword gives us an offensive weapon, you see. And so each one of these serves a specific purpose, and so you can't just have one and ignore all of the others, you see. We need every piece, because what Satan does is to seen an opening, he'll take advantage of that, and we let our guard down, and he doesn't miss many opportunities, let me tell you. One of our problems is this. 
It's that of becoming unbalanced or putting a lot of emphasis on certain doctrines and none on others. We Baptists have been very guilty of that in years gone by, emphasizing, you know, and stressing the great importance of the doctrine of the church and of baptism and so on and so forth. And, and, and thank God for those that have taught us well in that regards, but some people act like that's the only thing in the Bible to teach. I've known preachers, some of them I've known over 40 years, and every time you ever hear them preach at a Bible conference, you're going to hear exactly the same thing about that preacher, because he's got a, he's got a one-track mind. And I'll guarantee you when he gets up there, the subject's going to be the church. That, that's all he preaches on, the church. And, and others have got their hobby horses. I, I know some, the only thing they want to do is get up there and tell everybody all the things that they're against. I mean, it's never anything positive. It's never anything pertaining to the blessings of the Lord. It's just, I'm against this and I'm against that. And it's just a, it's just a hell-raising fight every time they preach. And that, that's what it's all about. And we get out of balance. Now, the Bible tells us that we're to declare the whole counsel of God. We're not to leave any of it out. Preach the Word. That means all of the Word. The New Testament and the Old Testament. Whenever Paul met with the elders there at Ephesus, you'll remember over in the book of Acts, this is while he is en route to Rome or before he leaves. And here they are weeping and crying and they're begging him not to go. And he tells them, he said, that I did not fail to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. So these people had been well taught, and now here he is some years later imprisoned in Rome and writing to these very same people that he had taught the whole counsel of God, telling them, you need to put on the armor of God. You know, I think one thing that gets us in trouble is that we dismiss our failures as minor flaws. We really do. And you hear people say it all the time. Well, wow, I know we're none of us are perfect, you know, we're, we're just human. How many times have you heard that? Well, we're just human. Or you hear somebody say, well, I guess I, I guess I am a bit jealous or maybe I'm a little bit selfish or I'm somewhat angry and, well, you, you see where I'm going? I mean, just like this isn't any great big problem at all. And we need to learn to see sin as exceedingly sinful. That's what Paul talked about in the book of Romans. Uh, he tells us that the commandments were given. Listen, the commandments were never given to save anybody. They were given to show us that sin is exceedingly sinful. It's awful. It's terrible. It's vile. It's filthy. God hates sin of any sort. Be careful about just dismissing your failure as a minor flaw in your character. Listen, it's a big deal in the sight of God. We need the armor of God to protect us, not only against those big blows, as we might call them, that would literally knock us off of our feet, and here we are just knocked out for everybody to see, but against those little kidney punches that wear on you and finally wear you down until the devil gets the victory. I, 
you know, you watch these boxing matches, and when I was a when I was a kid, I used to watch Archie Moore and some of those old timers when they would fight. And listen, these folks were tacticians. I mean, they knew what they were doing. You know, to the untrained eye, it might look like they're just out there in the ring throwing haymakers and just, you know, trying to knock each other out with one punch. And that's not what they're doing at all. They've got a game plan. And a lot of times, you know, the best way to get the guy flat on his back on the canvas is not to try to knock his head off, but to keep punching him in the kidneys until finally you wear him down. Look, we need the whole armor of God, not just part of it, because Satan knows exactly how to exploit our weaknesses and whether you think of it as a big deal or just a little matter. It's all important, and you need the armor of God. Now, one more thing I want you to notice, and that's the placement of the armor. Notice what he says. Two very important words. He tells us to put on the whole armor of God. Put on. That denotes responsibility. You know, I've spoken again and again about the futility of human effort, you know, uh, that, that man is not going to be able to solve our problems. And we're not strong enough to solve our problems. We're not strong enough to defeat the devil. But here's the whole thing. Let's never suppose that effort is not required on our part. You see, the Bible's very clear that we are to be active rather than passive. Some of you will remember, and I've said it many times before, there was a group of preachers in England many years ago that started what is known as the Keswick Convention. And the Keswick Convention is based around what somebody termed as the deeper things of God. You know. And to kind of sum up what they believed was this, that you you got to just let go and let God. The more you try, the more you struggle, the more you're going to fail. You can't do it. You don't need to make any. Just quit trying and just start trusting. Paul, that sounds really super spiritual when you hear it for the first time, and especially the way they put it. I mean, it really sounds like, wow, they're on to something here. But the fact of the matter, the Bible tells us that we are to make an effort. The Bible tells us there are things, and we've already studied this in Ephesians, there are things we're to put off. Put off the old man. And there are things to put on. We put on the new man. And then there are things that he tells us to put away. Now, all of that speaks about responsibility. It all speaks about effort on our part. Put off this. Put on that. Put away those things. Effort. Responsibility. Like the old saying, God feeds the sparrow, but he doesn't throw the worm in the nest. So, if we're going to experience what God can do in our life, victory demands God's power, but it also requires our activity. The Holy Spirit is our, what? Helper. He's our helper. 
You know, we think about the word comforter, and, and that really misleads a lot of people. We think about, you know, he, he's got his arm around us, and he's patting us on the back, and he's comforting us. And, and that word comforter comes from a Greek word paraclete. It means one called alongside of to help. He's there to help us. He's not there to do it for us. So if we're going to get the victory in our life, if we're going to stand against the wiles of the devil, then it requires effort on our part. In other words, we have to appropriate what God provides. We can't just sit back with the attitude that if God wants me to do it, He'll He'll enable me to do it. And then never make any effort. That's why the Bible speaks about overcoming Satan. You can't overcome somebody unless you make an effort. And the Bible tells us that we are to be overcomers. Listen, Satan's not going to give up. He has to be overcome. And you cannot overcome him in your own power. You'll be defeated without God's help. But the fact of the matter is, God's not going to do what you could have done. God expects you to do your best, and He'll do the rest. Uh, Somebody put it like this. I jotted it down. I saw this in a book several years ago, and it made sense. And this writer said, God does the work of God. Man does the work of man. Man cannot do the work of God, and God will not do the work of man. Well, that's pretty good, isn't it? And it's true. God's not going to do for you what He enabled you to do for yourself. Stand against the wiles of the devil. It's so horrible, terrible, painful to see people you love defeated by Satan and to see them defeated and their family destroyed and to see what Satan does in the lives of individuals. It's a terrible thing. And listen, the only, the only help we have is the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God uh, before you're deceived by the philosophies of Satan. Before you are distracted by the pursuit of things. Before you are distressed by the pressure of duty. Before you are discouraged by the problems of life. Before you are defiled by the pleasures of sin. Before you are destroyed by the power of the enemy. Put on the whole armor of God. I am... Talked to a preacher several years ago, and we were talking about the armor of God. And uh, this preacher was talking about a practice that his mother and daddy had got into. And every morning, they, they now I'm not suggesting you, you ought to do it this way, but I'm telling you, you know, they took it serious. And so every morning during their time of devotion, before they did anything else, they went through this whole routine as they were praying and said something to the effect, and now, dear Lord, I put on the breastplate of righteousness, and so forth, and went through all of the different articles of the armor. And uh, my point is, they took it serious. And so many times we read this, and 
we just dismiss it like it's no big deal. And I'm telling you, folks, listen, our future depends on whether or not we're able to stand against the devil. Your family depends on whether or not you're able to stand against the devil. And the only way we're going to ever be able to do it is to put on the whole armor of God. Not just part of it, but all of it. And here's the whole thing. Let me just sum it up. I believe that whenever the attitude of our heart is right and we're in a condition of total surrendering ourselves to God, which is something we've got to do every single day, I believe that we'll automatically have on the whole armor of God. It's kind of like the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and goes on and lists a total of nine different graces that make up the fruit of the Spirit. And a lot of people, I've heard people say, well, you know, I really excel in this area here. You know, I'm really great on the love part of it, but I don't do so good on the joy part of it. You know what? You've got exactly the same problem as the fellow that has a problem with all nine parts of it. Because whenever I'm filled with the Spirit of God, I'm not going to possess just four or five Parts of the fruit of the Spirit, I'm going to possess all of them because it is the fruit, singular, singular, not plural, not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's like a cluster. If we have one, we're going to have all of them. If you think you've just got one or two or three, you've got an imitation. The other day during Thanksgiving, one of the grandkids came over to me and said, Papa, can I have an apple? And I looked around and I thought, where's any apples at? And I, I looked over there and I, 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 I saw the big bowl with those big shiny wax apples in them. And uh, I felt like saying, sure, honey, you just go over and get one. But <laughs> Imitation. Now, I make mention of the fruit of the Spirit for, I think, a very good reason, and that is that when we yield ourselves to the control of God's Spirit, and we are, as put it like Paul did, when we are filled with the Spirit that's under His control, all of a sudden, all nine of those graces are going to be evidenced in our life. And the same thing's true in regards to the armor of God. I believe if I just totally yield myself to the Lord, then I'm going to be well decked out in each and every piece of the armor of God. Lacking, lacking part of that armor indicates a reluctance on my part to fully surrender my heart to the control of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's real easy, and all of us would agree tonight, if I said, do you agree that we'd all be better off if we'd just totally yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and said, like Isaiah, here am I, Lord, send me. In other words, I'm ready to do anything you want me to do. We'd all vote for that. We'd all say, absolutely, that's what everybody ought to do. We all agree we ought to do that. But we all know we don't all do that. We don't all do it, even though we know that would be best. God's ways always right. It's always best. It's always safe. Let's stand together. Father.
Thank you for your word. Thank you for the clear instructions that you give. And thank you for the Holy Spirit that helps us to have an understanding of it. And now tonight, as we think about the struggle that we're in, here we are living in a world that's been cursed and a world of conflict, facing a deadly enemy who is out to destroy us. And so tonight, help us, Heavenly Father, to do everything within our power to conform our ways to Your Word that we might be able to stand, to not cave in, not fall down, but stand against the wiles of the devil. And it just might be that somebody here tonight will be subjected to temptation this week that's going to knock them down and send them to defeat unless they deal with these issues tonight. Help us to put on the armor that would protect us in Jesus' name. Now as we sing, if you're here and God's speaking to your heart, and it might be God speaking to you just in regards to maybe coming and spending some time in prayer. You don't have to say anything to me. might be that God's moving on your heart, that this is where... He wants your membership. I don't know what God's saying, but but you do. And let Him have His way while we sing. Testimony, something really great and wonderful happened in your life, and, uh, and maybe it's a prayer request or an update on something. Marvin? identify with that because that's the very thing that killed my daddy. And so I, I I know what fear he must have encountered during all of that. And so thank the Lord. Anybody else? Anyone else have something you want to say before we leave? You sure? All right. Well, let's bow our heads. And we want to thank those that have taken the initiative to get together these things for our members that are overseas and to send them something. I know they've got some little Christmas trees there, and that'll, that'll be very meaningful to them uh, this Christmas season when they can't be with their family. And so uh, we, want to, uh, we want to thank those that have participated in this. Brother Glenn Boone, if you would, please lead us in prayer tonight.